0: Welcome to Happy Place and this special, a two-parter recorded for International Women's Day and supported by Sweaty Betty. We're in Hammersmith, close to the River Thames, with three excellent women, three gorgeous friends of mine, two of which are returning to the podcast and one who is brand new to share their most recent adventures. So get ready to hear from Bryony Gordon. Horna Bell and introducing presenter and fitness trainer Annie Price.
1: And I, um, I think we all know I think every single person in this room would know you know, sort of resilience courage, all these kind of words don't feel like that, right? They feel like being in the deep end, being out of your depth feel like fear, they feel like sometimes being hopeless um, and I think sort of matching it to physical strength actually being in the gym training because for me it, it reinforced that you keep going. Because I think this is why I'm probably not so goal oriented as a person. For me, it's never about a finish. There's no ends. So this is why training's good because it teaches you that you can walk in and under the bar some days it's brilliant, other days it's bad, but you're still going to get up and you're still going to do it because doing it is the best thing.
0: Before that, thank you so much to Sweaty Betty for supporting the show. It's been such a joy to collaborate with Sweaty Betty. I really, really love designing our charity t-shirt. I started off with a little pen sketch, a little doodle. And we've used that on the front of the t-shirt. It's the most beautiful soft fabric. So easy to work out in, to slouch around in, to do yoga in. And there's a £10 donation from each t-shirt, which goes straight to the charity Mind. I'm an ambassador for Mind. They do the most important, beautiful work. So do get your t-shirt. It's all about supporting women. The slogan on it is support women, support the world. Get your t-shirt and be part of it. To find out more, head to sweatybetty.com slash ferncotton.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So, if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.comslash achieve today.
0: And now, here's part one of the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming along to this lovely podcast today. I have not done a podcast with more than three people, so this will be a nice experience, slash perhaps a little chaotic, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Welcome, ladies. Wonderful friends. Hello. So one of the greatest things about working on this collection with Sweaty Betty was the fact that when it came to doing the photo shoot, they said, right, who do you want to do the shoot with i was like well i just get to choose whoever like pick some friends who you know uh talk about fitness and and enjoy fitness and and feel the benefits of fitness so it was very easy for me to compile that list in my head and thankfully you all said yes i was gonna say but unfortunately those people weren't available (laughs) (laughs) i just had to make that joke of course you did so um so briny gordon that's me hello annie price hi and Pornabel. Hi. So, I guess first of all, we should talk about how we all met each other. So, Bryony. Yeah? Our first time meeting was at a book festival where oh, you was. were interviewing me. Yeah, and we did
2: yoga. I made you do the... I mean, when I say yoga, it was like... Because it was Yo- Yoga Babies. Yoga Babies. It's a brilliant book. If you if you want to read, buy it, it's very quick to read. It's for kids. It's for three-year-olds. Um... <laughs> So we were interviewing I was interviewing you about yeah yoga babies, and there were like lots of children in the audience, and it was very chaotic yeah. and i I think I asked you to do a cat cow so very anyway, we got on really well and we, we had really like well. fr- we had like friends in common, so it was like and you know, you came like pre-checked, TSA pre-checked. Because <laughs> I knew people that knew you.
0: Anyway, so that's when we first met. And then we became friends. And now we have play dates with our kids and hang out. And it's, um, I'm very grateful for our friendship. I am too. And Thank it's really
2: nice me. to meet, like, I, my job, I'm a journalist. And I interview a lot of celebrities. And there's often a real, like... Um, like, you're not, know, yeah, and they're like, they're not, you're, you're, you, you serve a purpose to that celebrity, and then they, you know, you go and you do the job and you promote their thing. And you were one of the few celebrities I've met who, like, you, you're, you know, you, you realize
0: we're all equal, we're all the same person, and you kind of like, you know, you just connect on a very well, it's funny because I think we've all got our own relationship with that dynamic, and mine is always, oh my god, a really smart journalist is about to interview me, and they're going to find out that I'm you know, uh, boring, thick, whatever awful things I'm thinking about myself that day. So I go into that dynamic, terrified normally. And when I found out it was a journalist interviewing me that day, I've not even told you this, I was like, I don't want it to be a journalist, I'm so scared. <laughs> and then it was you and it was gorgeous and lovely and a friendship was not, born. So Not a proper journalist. A lo- <laughs> it was a lovely, surprising moment. Um, Annie, we've got an interesting story. We do have a very interesting story. We actually went to school together.
1: And, um, and we grew up in the same area. We did. I remember Fern from, so I was in year seven, I think. You were in upper sixth, and you know you always look up to the sixth formers, right? I used to always remember seeing Fern running around. She had her hair in two buns, which I thought was oh, the so coolest. Cute. And you remember that really 90s kind of brown lipstick? I was like, she's so cool. And she's got platform trainers, circus Spice yeah, Girls. Yeah. I was like, this is the one. So yeah, no, I remember you from then. How could you forget that brown
0: eyeliner used as a lip liner, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, then Annie and I didn't really see each other after school, but I, I knew people that were very good friends of Annie. And then last summer, Annie did a talk at the Happy Place Festival, which was incredible and just appreciated by everybody. And we started chatting um backstage and I had all of these sort of strange but very lucid memories of like being at your house as a kid and I was like I think I came on a play date at your house and then I remembered visually which street you lived on, creepy. But um but yeah, we, we used to hang out when we were teeny kids as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. I honestly thought she was lying at first. I was like, no, it can't be. But
1: then you said Hallowell Road. I was like, yeah. I know, actually. I remember. It's so yeah. bizarre.
0: But lovely that we've reconnected yes, and that definitely. we can pick up our friendship from a long way back and, um, and we can be in each other's lives again. So exactly. no, thank it's lovely. you to, for doing this.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Porna. Paula. <laughs> <Porna. laughs>
1: I don't
3: know why I laughed like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Evil laugh. So Paula was another person that I was really scared to meet. Because at the time, Porn interviewed me and you were the editor at Huffington Post UK. Scary job. That to me equals smart, scary person. And then I saw this beautiful green-eyed person and went, oh my God, and she's pretty and she's really smart. This is going to be really awful. And I was terrified. And then, of course, like in most situations, you were a lovely human. And we became friends.
3: I think the reason why I laughed so maniacally was because of that explanation. That that, you know, because when I met you, um, I was like, "Oh my God, this is Fern," and you know, and uh, what if she thinks I'm stupid, etc., etc. So I had like no idea that on the other side of the fence that's what you were thinking and also by the way i think you may have slightly higher expectations of the intelligence of journalists <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, just gonna put that out there but yeah yeah but this is that's the natural stance i usually take is that um anybody with a job title probably knows better than me because my job's sort of made up do you know yes, what
1: I, mean? I completely agree with that do you know that's what i'm saying mine's the same yeah there's an insecurity in, there yeah
0: Mm. my job's made up as well
2: though they all, all are really aren't they up, yeah.
0: everyone's <laughs> jobs are it's imposter syndrome and we must vanquish yes. it we must vanquish it because i think especially for females we all have a sense of i don't deserve to be in this space i don't deserve to be heard and we need to get over that
2: and also that thing that you just said that like you uh porno, you know fern said that she was going <gasps> and you're thinking exactly the same thing and i was thinking exactly the same thing when i first met you and it's like it's we we all you know, I think it's really important to remember that we're all in our heads as mad as each other. Oh yeah. Mm. For sure. Some are madder than others. Yeah. <laughs> but you know but that's okay. And the most normal thing in the world uh is to feel
0: weird. And the really weird people are the people that claim to be normal. Yes, right? I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And I think that that is why we all just need to keep talking, because that's where you um experience comfort in knowing that everybody's feeling the same so like for you the audience whenever I go and watch like a theatre show or a gig I feel really weird for the first 10 minutes like oh my god am I sat right this is really uncomfortable this chair this is so many people around me and everyone else looks really relaxed and I don't feel relaxed and then you realize everyone's probably feeling the same that it's an alien situation to be in we just need to talk more simply Um, so as well as loving you all dearly one of the reasons that you fit this campaign perfectly was because you have a really strong sense of what fitness means to your life so brianie let's talk about your experience with fitness first of all you are a very well-known runner these days as well as journalist we were just talking about how they uh, they cancelled the tokyo
2: marathon at the weekend because of coronavirus except for the elites and i'm doing the london marathon in um April next month, and I was saying, but I, I just need to let you know that I, I'm not in the elite category. <laughs> well, I'd assumed that um, you were, so, so it may devastated. be. I'm like, oh no, don't cancel the London Marathon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but wait, um, wait, wait.
2: That would be terrible. This will be, be your my third? Th- my third. So I ran, I got talked into doing it um, uh, in 2017 by the Duchess of Cambridge. Um, that 's normal, <laughs> yeah very normal clang, yeah and um, yeah, I was at the launch of Heads Together, which was the mental health um, charity that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Prince Harry um, launched back in two thousand and sixteen, and I was there as a kind of journalist with an interest in mental health. I write, I write a lot about my own mental health, and i 'd set up this thing called mental health mates and And I was standing there, and I was like, oh, you... And she told me that Heads Together was going to be the official charity of the marathon. And I was like, oh, are you going to run the marathon? And she was like, oh, no, I can't, security, and all of that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) excuses, excuses. I was like, if I can run a marathon, anyone? And I was like, can I? I'm like, I don't know why I just said that. Like, I can't run a marathon. I never run a marathon. Like, I'd eaten a marathon, but I'd never (laughs) run one. Back in the 80s. And I couldn't run a bath. So, like... I'm, like, 16 stone, do you know what I mean? I'm, like, larger lady, and I could barely... And I, you know, at the time, I was drinking very heavily. And she was like, why don't you run the marathon? And I was like, okay, I'm thinking, that'll stop me drinking. And I, like, stopped drinking for, like, the duration of actually running it, but otherwise, no. And <laughs> I was, like, running towards pints of beer. So my thing was, like, but I couldn't believe it, and it was the first time that I'd... I'd realised there was this other world out there where I didn't have to live in this kind of perpetual form of numbing and I could make myself high, like, with my own feet. And I was capable, you know, I didn't have to go to the pub or a drug dealer or anything like that. And, you know, but it was, like, really revelatory to me also that my body, as a larger larger, larger body that's less, you know, seen in society, was able to do it like I just thought I've got huge tits I don't know if you'll be able to use that in the podcast absolutely um, the tits are staying in you know I'm a larger lady and I just don't think that running look at these this this, people running running yeah. is for me and and then yeah every weekend my body was doing something I didn't know it was capable of doing from the weekend before and I realized then I'd always hated exercise so I was quite slim in my early 20s I was also very bulimic I had a cocaine addiction I was an alcoholic do you know what I mean and my exercise was all about the losses. It was about losing um, inches from my waist and, you know, and pounds from the scales... I realized that actually, for me, exercise is about the moment it started being about the gains and the mental clarity and the confidence was the moment I fell in love with exercise. And then the next year, I did the marathon again with my friend Jada, who's a plus-size model, and we did it in her underwear to prove that women of all shapes and sizes can – running doesn't belong to – like running belongs to anyone with two functioning legs, basically – and yeah, and then last year we did a 10k in London. We had a thousand women running through the streets of London in their underwear, and we're going to do that again uh, in May. You look and at woo! me because you've Fern's convinced <laughs> me <laughs> to Fern's do doing it. it. Annie's said she's going to do it, but. Uh, Porna has a
3: weightlifting competition. Oh, God, Porna, the peer pressure of this moment. It's not compatible with my training. Oh, really?
0: We'll get to that in a moment, dear Porna. So anyway, so
2: it's about exercising for your, like, head and your heart rather than... It's exercising for your mental health rather than your physical health. Uh, Although that's obviously an added bonus, but, like, I find it batshit crazy that I can, like... Go out at the weekend and run 13 miles, and that isn't a problem for me. Do you know what I mean? Like this morning, I went and did strength training, and it's like occupying these spaces I didn't think I
0: had any place in, and I always did, you know. So, you had this wonderful royal peer pressure to sort of act as a catalyst for your love of running. How, when did that epiphany kind of hit you that, wait a minute, this isn't about. Um, losses. Well, this isn't just a tough slog. This is making me feel good because that obviously wasn't on your first run. I'm imagining.
2: No, no. I mean, I like literally did. I basically signed up to get an interview with Prince Harry. That was it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and once I got the interview, I was like, Oh, do I have to do it? They're like, you still have to do it. No, but at that point, I was like, Well, and truly, had Stockholm syndrome and was in it. But like, I remember going out and doing like, I remember having to get up and go and run. Well, I remember just running... Oh, there were so many moments, do you know what I mean? But, like, getting up and having a big work job to do on a Saturday and I, and I knew I had to run 13 miles. So I just got up at four in the morning and I went out and I ran 13 miles and then came back into the job. And then I, I remember my last long run, which was 20 miles. And, like, have it, I, I remember when I first did my first 10K, I thought I was Mo Farah. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> When I did my first 5K, I was like, oh, the Olympics, here I come. And, um, and then I, but I remember thinking, fuck, I've got to do that again. Like, I don't, my math is terrible. Like, That's the worst part when you get how, halfway and you're like, I've got to do it twice? Yeah. Like, I remember doing my first half marathon and getting to that, at the end of it, and being like, if anyone told me that, if someone came up to me right now and told me that I had to do that again, I'd use what energy I had left to stamp on their heads. <laughs> And, like, but I remember doing my 20-mile last long run and then waking up the next morning and being like, oh, I don't really ache, which was, like, crazy. And then being like, oh, I only have to do 10K on top of that and being like, this is nuts and it's amazing. And it is, marathon training and running is, it is really, it is 98% about where your head is and your mental space. And it's weird how one weekend you can run you can run 10 miles and it feels amazing and the next weekend you're just like every step hurts and it's usually about where your head is.
0: Well, that's it. I I think with a lot of endurance sport, but actually any level of fitness is way more about your head than it is about your body.
2: And, And also I think it's about getting your head into the space. Like I think a lot of us we've all grown up you know at schools and I imagine it was the same for all of you and at your school and stuff that you know it's like exercise if you weren't the fastest or the strongest you shouldn't bother doing it at all which was like it's like saying to someone if you don't have a Michelin star you shouldn't cook you know it's like it's there for everyone and I've had to do a lot of work on you know I'm not fast at all you know I'm I sometimes see on Instagram people like posting up, like, Oh, I ran ten miles in like an hour and half PB, or whatever. My PB. You know? And that's like, oh <laughs> like I could never do that. Like it takes me like two hours to run ten miles or whatever. And you know, I'll do a marathon in about six hours. But it was like it's about it's realizing that I it doesn't matter. You know, like I'm out there, like I'm not fast, but I can run and run for hours and hours and I don't get tired and that's fine. And, you know, lots of people do it to be the fastest or the strongest, but I do it to be the most content. And that's Mm, all that matters to me.
1: So, so important.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: Um, We'll talk more about the mental benefits as we go along. But Annie, I'd love you to talk about how you were introduced to fitness. You were a fitness trainer. I love watching your videos on Instagram yes. of the little training sessions that you give and the advice and the tips that you give. What was your, your journey to get to that point where A, you loved it and then B, you wanted it to be your career?
1: Um, I, I was always that kid that loved chucking her body around, you know, like literally just for me, it was always fun. It was always about gymnastics, trampolining, athletics, like I thoroughly loved it so much. And I think, funnily enough, I wanted to be a journalist. I tried to. Did you, I yeah, I really wanted to be hard. a journalist. <laughs> well, you say that, I'm not doing it. But no, so I wanted to be a journalist. And then I, um, I was told, right, you need some office experience. I got work in an office. And obviously, kind of kid that I can't sit there still didn't work for me at all. So I eventually got some advice from a friend who. Work as a personal trainer part time, and then do some writing on the side. As we all know, these on the sides don't work, right? <laughs> Especially when you start a new business. So I started um, becoming a personal trainer purely because I just loved the environment. And I'm, you know, from such a young age because of how I look and some of the things that I've been through. That whole self care movement, although it's very now for me, it was always ingrained. I didn't know it was called self care, but I knew that I couldn't afford to be striving for things, and then leave myself behind. Just from the pure fact of, and I do it doesn't bother me when people do this because I stare too, but when people stare or say that or comment, if I don't feel good in myself, it will really hurt, you know, and I can't quite take it. So if I feel good, I know that everything else is fine. So for me, it was a no-brainer to go, right, I'm going to do a job that I enjoy. And a gym is just a nice environment because... You know, if you want to be a physio or something, you're always with people that are injured, sad. Gym, that's a chair on the cake. Most people are coming in after work for a bit of fun. So I basically got to hang out with people, make them feel good, which made me feel good. And it doesn't matter what their goals are. You know, I can make them look cute in a pair of jeans or balance their lifestyle or get them to do a marathon. Either way, they're feeling quite good, which helped me. Um, and did you... Was that just like an happy, a happy
0: accident that you thought, right... This is actually giving me confidence. This yes, is, this yes, is for sure. keeping me feeling robust and resilient yep. to the adversity that you'd endu- endured in Definitely. your childhood. Or, Definitely. or did you kind of think, this is going to work for me, you know, how do you, How?
1: when did that happen, when did you realise this was working for you? Do you know what, I'm not, I shouldn't say this, because I was a personal trainer, all of that, but um, I'm not a massive goal person, like, I need to do this one thing, this must happen, I'm very much, how do I want to feel, what do I want to become, kind of person, and then I'll navigate towards those things, and for me, training, sport, activity, I've always found all my problems, right, as we all know, they're in our head, aren't they? And as soon as I started exercising training, I, I was able to separate those two things. You know, if I go for a run, I'm literally separating myself from my problems, and I'm kind of sometimes running away from them almost. Do you know what I mean? And that's what made mm. me feel good. So. For me, I was like, right, I love doing this. And I could always tell when people came into the gym, it sounds like I'm getting a bit deep ready, but people come in for their goals and they're like, some women would be like, I really want to lift weights. I want to be doing this thing. And straight away, I, I could kind of find, you know what, they want to feel stronger in some way. Other people that want to run, they're like, I want to run. And they're like, that's usually because they kind of want a bit of freedom in some arena. And then some other women are like, right, I want to do some dance. Can we do some sort of dance exercise? They want a bit more, you know, open freedom in some way as well. So it was kind of like a nice way to support myself and other people. That's why I loved it so much. That's so
0: interesting because we, we were sort of... I was thinking about this this morning. So we did a yoga class this morning as part of the launch of this. And yeah. I was sort of asked, you know, why do you like stretching? What is that feeling? And it's exactly what you're explaining. So if you had someone come in and they wanted a run, maybe it is because they're wanting to move from something. But with stretching, I feel like I am actually moving through usually anger or some sort of frustration. And yeah. I can exercise that I can like stretch it out and I can move on from it and I think we underestimate how much we can physically move through whatever negative emotions are out there pain and upset and sorrow and anger by physically doing it it's like quite
1: a practical thing it really is it really is and I always think as well especially with training I don't just mean weight training I don't just mean you know marathon training or very specific training I just think that any kind of movement activity teaches us that our behaviour actually matters, you know, I can change my state quite quickly by doing a ten minute circuit, by going for a brisk walk. Do you know what I mean? Like that there's that's a lot of power to have. Because mm. we always kind of put it outside ourselves, you know, there's so much going on, social media, people, parents, friends, community, the world. You know, we always kind of pulled with all these different ideas all the time. And I just found for me personally, being able to train, it just brought me back to myself and I was like, you know, hold on, actually, I'm my biggest impact. You know, I get to decide what goes on. I get to decide what I'm going to do, and that just gave me that pause. And for me, it was definitely my kind of form of meditation because at the time I was not. I did a class. I did a class of meditation once, and um, sorry, she um, she demoted me because I kept falling asleep. She said you got to do it with your eyes open, and I was like, that's low. <laughs> demoted. <laughs> demoted in meditation. I was like, this is. I think good. if you if you fall asleep at the end, yeah. it's a,
0: you've done the right thing. You've yeah, gone into a state of relaxation. That's what I thought. I was like, it's this is fine. good. This is
1: an improvement. So yeah, so for me, like. Um, going for a walk training for me it was like my way of going right Annie here's your porch here's your space this is a way for you to look at things in a different way um, yeah so that's It was just a pure love. There was no fight for me with exercise. It just made perfect sense. And then for me to say, do you want this to be your livelihood? I was like, yeah, I want this to be my
0: livelihood. This Mm. is brilliant. Um, I love that. Sort of talking about that agency that we all have to change our moods if we want. Because sometimes we do feel stuck in certain emotions or a state of mind. And like you say, we might point fingers blame it on somebody else or a situation or just feel like i've got to sit it out but actually exercise is a great way of fast tracking that and yep. and moving on from things or at least like you say giving yourself time and space to explore those feelings and honoring that and going yeah i deserve this i i, I want that time for myself um, so, Paula, your fitness journey um, has changed somewhat over the years with a, a more recent hobby that you've taken up.
3: Yes, it has. So, my fitness
0: journey... <laughs> um, the I, word journey is really a stinker, but it's It is, it is it but
3: I, I'm hard-pushed to think of another word to replace it. But I think, like a lot of people, um, I viewed fitness as a vehicle to either lose weight or maintain weight. Um, I, d- I wouldn't say that I, like, hated it. I think I just was indifferent about it. I kind of saw it as something that, you know, you kind of had to do. And about, I would say, like, three years ago, I, so I was in a situation where... Um, I used to be a runner, um, so Bryony, me of the past, would have been very up for this, um, I promise. But I used to be a runner and I used to find it mentally to be something that was extremely soothing and it was a part of how I would manage my week, quite frankly. Um, But about, so this is five years ago, um, myself and my family experienced a huge loss, which was the death of my husband Rob. And um, in the first year that he passed away, I I basically just, what I mostly did was run. And that was um, running along the river in Richmond and just found that to be hugely um, calming, meditative, and also plus points, like when you're running, if you're kind of like crying, people think it's sweat. So you can kind of, you can get away with a lot when you're running. But about a year into, into this, and, you know, still in a really deep state of grief, I kind of just realized that I needed to move out of my house because we'd shared that house together. And I just realized that I literally had no way of physically moving the stuff around my house. So like boxes of books and so on. And at the same time, I was also, you know, going on holiday for the first time. And again, I just realized that I didn't really know how I was going to carry my luggage. So it came out of, it was hugely emotional, but it was also, there was this massive practical physical need And I didn't want to call my dad. Like, my dad's in his 70s. You know, I didn't want to call my male friends because they have their own families and other stuff going on. And there was this just real deep need to not want to have to ask a man to help me with my stuff or just actually to not have to ask anyone to help me with my stuff. And um, so I realised that I didn't know... I kind of needed to lift weights if I was going to get a bit stronger. And I had no idea how to do that because the weight section scared the crap out of me like it does a lot of people... And so I decided to hire a trainer to just show me the basics of what to do. And this, this was about, you know, three years ago. And about a year ago, I came back from an extended sabbatical. And, you know, I had put on quite a bit of weight. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really happy with the weight that I'd put on. But I, didn't know how, I just didn't know really how to lose it. And I didn't want to eat in a really restrictive way. So I hired another trainer, you know, gave him the same spiel of, yeah, I want to get strong, but I still want to look, you know, lean. And um, and we started training together and then my local gym had this thing called like a powerlifting competition and I was just training away one day and they just said, you know, would you like to take part? And I was like... Pfft no you know and I just said even the word powerlifting I was like what is it it just sounds really just terrible and just really scary and then I mentioned this to my trainer and he said oh I actually am a professional powerlifter and this is what it is and basically powerlifting is you're effectively it's competitive weightlifting but you're doing three different lifts which are squat bench press and deadlift and you're doing them at the heaviest possible weight that you can manage and I was still like yeah that still doesn't really sound like something I would really want to do and he just said why don't we just train for it and if you hate the training then fair enough and we'll just go back to whatever it is that you want to do And I think he was just really crafty because I loved the training. And it was amazing. Yeah, and each week, because I'd never trained in a way like that before. Because, you know, before my training used to be, I'd go to the gym. I'd, like, kind of, you know, move around on the cross trainer a bit. I might
0: kind of, like... Possibly cross up. trainers doing anything, thing, by the way. No, they don't. I just think, why are people like reading a magazine and like doing that? Well,
3: they don't do anything the way that I used to do
0: it, yeah. which was
3: just to, you know, just really half-heartedly spend like twenty minutes yeah. on it while watching TV. So, and no shade on anyone who does cross trainer, but I, it just didn't work for me. But with this type of training, every single week, I could, it was quantifiable. So I could see that I was able to lift like X amount more than I could do the previous week. And it just gave me a sense of motivation. I really enjoyed it. I would go into the gym like actually excited about what I could possibly achieve And the competition itself was great. um, Did you do that
1: first competition that they said? Yes, so I did it,
3: yeah. And everyone is extremely friendly. And I think that the thing with weightlifting that I'd always assumed, because of, you know, gym bros, um, was that basically someone would either just tell me I was doing stuff wrong or um, that that they would just be not very friendly. And something about powerlifting is just that Everyone is super friendly and everyone helps you out. And it doesn't matter what you can lift. Like, literally, if all you can lift is the bar, then that's fine. And you get the same amount of respect as someone else who can do, like, how, let's say...
2: How much can you lift, yeah, now? That's how, what I want to know. What's your
1: favourite lift as Could you well? lift me up? <laughs> you lift me um,
3: up. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my favourite lift is squat, um, which didn't used to be my favourite lift because it used to scare, scare me in terms of, oh, my God, what if so I well, get down there... From,
0: like the lowest level possible to yeah. standing with a weight above your head. No, if you're that, go no, the toilet. No. That's a deadlift. That's that, a deadlift, right? No. no, no, it's no, no there's much. nothing. No, no, no. We no. don't know what we're
3: talking about. Rewind ladies. Rewind. Yes. So that is a w- Olympic weight lifting, right? right. Power lifting, nothing goes above your head. Right. So it's really good, especially if you are. So let's say I'm in my late 30s. It's really good because it's not high impact. And also, it's hugely good for your bones and building your cardiovascular strength, which is what it is. But my squat is 102.5 kilograms. Shut the
2: front door.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's heavy. And, um, nice.
2: yeah. What's your deadlift? My a deadlift is 100. Oh, I think you could lift me up. Yes.
0: I could. Yeah.
3: Yes. Um,
2: raise let's try that at the end <laughs> of the podcast,
0: guys.
3: We'll yeah. work out a way.
0: We'll make this happen. And what about and,
3: bench? Um, bench is 52 and... Deadlift is 130. So good, <laughs> thanks. But no, but anyone can do it. Oh. Thank you. Uh, SP, thank you. But anyone can do it, and I think that um, that that sort of training in that way um, was not just like physically. Wonderful, which it was, because it taught me that I'm so much stronger than I actually think that I am. Also, that body size has got bugger all to do with your strength. Like, if you went to a powerlifting competition, you would see women of all shapes and sizes and heights, and it really puts it into perspective around what we've been taught about strength and what we think is possible. But mentally, oh, my God, weightlifting is hugely psychological. Like, it's, you have to... The way I kind of like think about it is there's this internal generator and you just have to start revving it up and it has to get going and it has to get going. And then you're in front of the bar and that belief in yourself has to be absolute. And I'm not saying that I always feel like that. There are days when I'm just like, holy shit, that is not going up. And then it goes up and I'm like, oh my God. So I had this slight wobble and I managed to overcome it. And that ends up sort of going into this mental piggy bank of stuff that you really didn't think that you could do that you then pull out at a time when you a wavering in your belief in yourself, and then you pull it out and you go, you know what? No, I can actually do it because I did it before.
0: Mm. And then you can actually keep telling yourself, I I know I am strong. I am strong. And that is physically, emotionally, mentally, you almost have that Mm. benchmark of I am strong. And that's a good, that's an empowering place to be. Definitely. Definitely. Because after that first competition, the way that I carried myself, like the
3: way that that radiated out into Every other aspect, whether that was literally walking down the street and there's a group of guys walking towards me, whether it's going into a work meeting and you know, I'm sort of feeling maybe a little bit physically intimidated in there. You just, I mean, I realize I've, I'm sort of like slightly hunched over. That's because of the seating, but like you just, <laughs> you just carry yourself yeah, like yeah, differently yeah. and you hold yourself differently. And I don't think that any other. My relationship with fitness previously would never have made me feel like that. Oh. I always felt like I needed to kind of scuttle away in the corner, you know, trying to be as invisible as possible.
0: Oh, it's so wonderful. I, I think I need to try it. I've never lifted Did, it. You, doing. Because ever. of you, Porner, I've started doing it. Oh,
2: yeah. And I, 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 I. You swore a lot? I swear a lot. <laughs> That's and just general. And the That's goes, just <laughs> normal, Brian, Like all
0: that thing, RDL, hinge, whatever. <laughs> And you're like, and what so how's that? Because what I'm really interested in this relationship with physical strength and mental strength. So are you feeling that? Are you getting a sense I, of that? I, I
2: definitely feel like I wanted to do it. Like I wanted to feel stronger in my like my running. Like, and I think previously I've looked it up to it a lot of time. People are like, oh, previously runners wouldn't do strength training, but it's made a massive difference to my like endurance. And I can't lift anything like that. I can't lift myself. Um, I can like literally like. <laughs> but I do enjoy it and not least because I have a very attractive personal trainer. Helps. Jokes, that's a joke. It's a joke. I shouldn't belittle people and remind them. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> very but it's fun and I we and I love and because of you, Porna, and because you know, like it's becoming this uh, much more and I notice in the gym we go to, there's like it's mostly female clients. Like all women doing it. And it's it's it does feel like you just feel it, you do like the way you hinge and you, you do feel like a different. I, just, I need to try. Think, of,
1: think of weight training as well as a really safe way. I feel like a, Shares in it, I don't, but um I think of weight training as a really safe place to practice, like all the character building, all the hard work, all the effort. Most of the times you do something and it's hard and you just chucked out in the deep end. We're in the gym, you get to practice literally falling on your ass or making mistakes. Do you know what I mean? It's a nice safe place to do that. And how nice has
0: how has fitness reinforced your own strength? Because anyone that has seen your documentaries, Annie, will know that you are beyond resilient and what you've faced in life is a lot to handle and you've done it with grace and dignity and a lot of strength and I wonder if subliminally that fitness experience has helped sort of make you feel mentally robust and be able to deal with what you've been faced with in life.
1: Um, I think it has and I I think we all know, I think every single person in this room would know, you know, sort of resilience, courage, all these kind of words don't feel like that, right? They feel like being in the deep end, being out of your depth, feel like fear. They feel like sometimes being hopeless. Um, And I think sort of matching it to physical strength, actually being in the gym training, because I was actually the same. I did the reverse, actually. I started off with, um, gymnastics, trampoline, that kind of thing. And then I went heavily into weight training and I did Olympic lifting for a while. So I loved the log books and I loved seeing my numbers go up. And I completely understand that. Um, I just switched purely because of motherhood, I find it easier to just do little workouts now. But, um, for me, it, it reinforced that you keep going. Because I think this is why I'm probably not so goal-oriented as a person. For me, it's never about a finish. There's no ends. So this is why training's good. Because it teaches you that you can walk in and under the bar some days it's brilliant. Other days it's bad. But you're still going to get up and you're still going to do it. Because doing it is the best thing. Because when you have a problem, in reality, especially the big problems, they're not... They can't be sorted out. There's no out, there's no pause, there's no respite. You can't actually hide under the bed for an hour. You've just got to deal with the problem, right? So for me, it was just a really good way to practice enduring. And I think most people, you know, me included at sometimes, forget that actually the hardest part and the best thing you can do most of the time is just stick it out. It's not finding a result, it's not going, I'm going to smash this and be my best self. It's just by going, yeah, I'm just going to take this. I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to deal with it. And that's what weight training is about. You kind of get up there and you're doing it. You know, sometimes you're literally like, oh, my God, this is so hard. Why does it feel like this today? Like you said, the same running. You know, some days it feels great. Some days it feels bad. But the important thing is you do it. I was saying to Fern earlier, like, I love going for runs. And some days I'm on it and I'm like, right, I'm going to do a 10K run. And then other days I'll go out there with all the best intentions. You know, do that really weird jog as though you're trying to go across the road. And I'm just like... I'm not running nowhere no. and I'll just, and I'll just walk you and I'll turn. just, yeah, I, I usually still go, but I'll walk, you know, so think... that's my thing. I won't stop, but I'm not always going to be given hundred percent. And that's what that reflects. I know that doesn't sound too like high five, awesome, amazing, but I've always really pulled away from that because it kind of, especially in the darker sort of times, it's hard to be doing the best. It really is just going right. I'm gonna stay. It's about
0: being kind to yourself, isn't it? It and is giving about being kind a to break. yourself. And also, I always feel like it, it should. It
2: does feel hard sometimes, yeah. and that's when the growth happens, isn't exactly it? Like that, exactly like that's when that. you push through through those hard sessions, and you think, I don't ever want to do that ever again. But you do, and the next time you're like, oh. And I always think that like a lot of growth happens in the dark exactly. times, and that's
1: when so when something else happens, like another big challenge comes up. Um, you know, I, I, can kind of even finally say I'm not, it doesn't take my breath away. I just go, here we go. You know what I mean? And I kind of know the feelings I'm going to go through. I know the anxiety of it. I know the emotions. I know the fear, but I go, right, here we go. This is it. And I know at the end of that, I will feel better and I'll be able to look back and go, yeah, I'm proud of myself.
0: I think it's so important what you mentioned there about <clears throat> sitting things out, because of course, also in the modern world, we just want a quick fix. That's, we that's don't what want. Mean, yeah any level of endurance or pain we just want comfort easy quick and the modern world has sort of mirrored that back and said oh i'll give you more quick easy comfortable things and actually like you were saying brianie you know some things in life and then if you also mirror that with fitness some fitness workouts are really hard but like you say that's integral to expanding or going off on tangents learning growing keeping resilient all those things
1: that's the best part i think about it again because it gives you that reminder that sometimes things are painful it doesn't have to mean it's bad
3: but also i think that with like any type of fitness that you do the one thing that i've definitely learned with this is that it's not just about your training. Like it's not just about, you know, motivating yourself to go to the gym or going for a run or lifting or whatever it is. But there is, there are so many other components to this, like making sure that you're sleeping okay or trying to get enough sleep or as much sleep as you can, or, you know, fueling your workouts. Like for a really long time, I just tried, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if I would say quick fix, but Try to kind of cheat the system, you know, and try to sort of work out or do whatever I could, but not necessarily look at how I was nourishing my body or was it just getting enough rest? And I think that one really humbling thing about weightlifting is you, you, can't, you can't cheat your way around yeah. that. Because yeah. if you haven't slept properly, if you haven't eaten properly... Um, you're just not... It's just going to sit there. Like yeah. It's not going to move. I think this
2: is... I get this a lot in, like, mental health circles, and I get a lot of questions from people going, you know, do you think I should try this? Should I go on this antidepressant? Should I... And I, I'm on antidepressants, so I don't want to, like, do that. Or should I try this kind of new spangled therapy? And I'm like, if you're not getting the basics, if you're yeah. not sleeping and eating well and drinking lots of water, you know, none of it is actually going to have an impact. You know, like I, I spent my whole life trying to, like, battle my OCD and, you know, and, and, yeah, the one thing I didn't want to do was give up drinking. Do you know what I mean? And in the end... You know, we have, we do have to look after ourselves and it isn't, but I also should say that looking after yourself means sometimes not doing the workout yeah. and going, actually, yeah. today I just need to zone out, lie down, be by myself, put my feet up, watch Netflix you know, whatever the, Ooh. whatever it is. Because um, I think we can feel like we have to constantly do, 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 do. Yeah. And it's that, it's, it's that really tricky. And if I had the answer to this, you know, I'd be a billionaire. But like that tricky, that fine line between motivating yourself enough that you can get out there and doing, doing it and knowing instinctively when, you know, your, your, your brain is... Um, stop. T- sabotaging you or Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I have a thing basically and this is how I have to live my life and it's really really hard but it's like if I if my brain wants to do something like go out and take loads of drugs eat all the food I probably shouldn't do it <laughs> and if my brain um, doesn't want to do something like go for a run, go to the gym, eat a salad, I probably should do it. So I basically have to do the opposite of what mm. I instinctively want to do <laughs> yeah. every fucking day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping one of these days, it'll just, I've done it enough that it just flips around. Mm. You know, and I go, oh! I, like, the other thing I've learned about exercise is that like, I used to assume, like, people woke up and were like, yeah, I want to go and do some exercise. Come on, let's go out. Woo, woo, woo. No. no 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 one wants to do any exercise no one wants to do exercise no. one no, wants no. to be on these fucking no, bean bags. Yeah, bean bags. Yeah, eating but... brownies watching yeah, netflix yeah. you know but no one regrets doing it no, right? no no right and that's that the thing that you go for is the way you're going to feel afterwards
0: absolutely yeah it's having that in mind and and uh longevity and um just looking at the future in general how you want to feel you know mentally and physically and that being consistent i think as well and that's where we'll leave it for part one to hear the rest of the chat part two is on the feed now find it on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, or wherever you get yours thanks see you soon